What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Critters podcast. This is episode 39, um, and we are finally getting into our collabs, talking about pork. So I'm Kyle. And I'm Joe. <laughs> and let's get into it. So we're going to go ahead and bring Tyler up. And for those who don't know and didn't pay attention to the last episode we did, this is going to be the first episode of our pick collabs. Um, all of us put out videos talking about our genetics, what pigs we're raising, why and how, um, for where we are, our locations, climates, and what we're trying to do for meat quality. So we're going to get into it. So Tyler, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Yeah. You were all excited the last episode to try and beat Joe. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's not going to happen at this point. <laughs> yeah, now it's well, definitely not. Although, happen. I will say, you guys, uh, last episode, you nominated me as the backup. Oh, that is right. When I when I, <laughs> when I inevitably yep. get the call from CBS and take that plane ride to Fiji to starve in the jungle for 40 days. So so I'm banking on that. Right. Well, that's <laughs> at least four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Get out of here, Kyle. <laughs> the, problem, the, problem, the problem with that is... I'm not on the show. Joe is. So every show that you're on, he's also on. Yeah. So that's means you're four Good behind. Point. Good point. Yeah. Listen, I'm not great at math, but I was able to figure that one out pretty quick. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's down here in the comments? Let's shout them out. We got the lots project over here. Meatheads, meatheads, yep. meatheads. <laughs> <Okay, laughs> here. Oh, uh, we got Rachel Brown as well. Good to have you guys. Oh, the old faithfuls. So, Tyler, what's been going on since the last time you were on? Well, we butchered a bunch of pigs. That's mm -hmm. why I'm here, I suppose. Um, <laughs> that went pretty well. And you can feel free when you uh, when you pull my pictures up. You can critique me. That's okay. You know, first, time, <laughs> first time doing it myself. So, oh, we'll get into it. I have notes. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but we did that. Um, it went honestly. It went really well. Um, got meat in the freezer. So first time doing it. We'll uh, we'll be back next time around. The one thing I would say, our animals weren't probably as as big as I would have liked them, um, just based on the breed. And I know we'll dive into that here in a second. But you learn, and I'll just grow them out longer um, this next time around. Yeah. No, and that's the, and that's that's all of it. We'll definitely get into it because I'm. I'm coming to that realization as well of just like, I think my ideas are good. I don't think this cycle is going to be the best. Yeah. And what I've found too is, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the feed I think um, had part to do with it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't uh, here. I am kind of blaming the breed right away, but I, I think a lot of the feed that I was putting in, you know, obviously first time doing it, trying to go a little bit on a budget, so, mm -hmm. you know, I was going corn, obviously corn's going to give, you know, a lot of fat content. That wasn't mm -hmm. the only thing I was feeding, but I was definitely going a little heavier on that than I probably should have. So again, lessons learned. And, and this time around, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Um, I'm actually going to try to have them forage a little more this time around, um, kind of let them go probably a little bit more or a little less feed, I'd say, but over a longer period of time to see what, what kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go ahead and use that as a segue talking about or blaming our breeds that we all chose. Um, yep. So for those who haven't watched the video, let's start with you, Tyler. Like, what do you have for breeds? Yeah, so this uh, past year, we actually, well, this is, like I said, our first year doing it. 
Um, I didn't know anything about pigs. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to find whatever pigs I can get interested in them. And I, I found um, they were American Guinea hog and Hampshire crosses. They were $60 a piece. So that, that was honestly, and I put that in the video, that was the selling point for me. You know, they're cheap. Yeah. What, what really could go wrong there? So, so that's why we got them. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if, they die, <laughs> if they die, it's, it's 120 bucks down the drain. Now, what a lot of people don't know is um, our sow that we had, she was actually bred at the time and we didn't know that. So I ended up having eight right. piglets with them. So I got 12 pigs for 120 bucks. <laughs> so that was a pretty good deal. Right. But anyway, the, the American Not guinea bad. hog hamster crosses. Not bad at all. Oh yeah, it was it was nice. Um, and we did we lost a couple, but we, we were able to keep most of them alive. Um, we noticed though pretty much right away that they weren't putting on the growth. Um, that you would expect. <laughs> um, years ago, we raised um, Idaho pasture pigs over at my dad's property, and those definitely had better growth than than what we had here. So um, it was definitely a kind of a longer term game. Yeah, the American guineas are a tough one because I've known people that love them, and I've known people that hate yep. them. Yep. Like the slaughterhouse I worked at was like, we're not even going to slaughter them anymore. Don't bring them mm -hmm. here. Like, well, yeah, I mean, if I were raising just American guinea, there's no way, no way. They're, they're way too small. And as I started to kind of read more about them, seeing, you know, they pretty much only get up to about 200 pounds, and that's over a long period of time. Yeah. Now, cross with a Hampshire, it's it's kind of all over the place. Our boar, he's huge, and he's really lean. He looks like a Hampshire. The guy told me that they were 75-25 on the American guinea side. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably, if anything, more like 50-50. But again, without really knowing kind of the, the background and the genetics, it's it's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to get that with any kind of crossbreeding. That's like the Idaho pasture pig. They've been bred over generations, and yep. they still have variation. I mean, Cruz touched base on that in his video. Um, he's still seeing size difference in the breed. And some are having a longer nose, some are upturned nose. Yeah. And they, I think they had like, I can't remember exactly how many generations they had before they even considered it a breed in its own. So, right. I mean, having a first generation cross or a second generation cross, you're going to have a ton of variation. So they might be, a, you know, 25, 75. He just happens to have that. Correct. Took, took after the Hampshire genetics more. Right. Yeah, and I, as I've kind of learned with these, I would prefer that. You know, obviously you're going to have you know a little bit more meat on your bones there. Um, you know, some of the the males that we actually butchered, they they were definitely you could tell that the frames they were different. You know, they were kind of mm -hmm. all over the place. So we'll see what happens this next time around. Now I was also I was raising um, Idaho's as well. Um, so we did we butchered one. Um, I actually started with three. We butchered one. One we lost pretty early on. And then one, we actually had a, a litter and she died. I remember I was messaging you guys about um, yeah. most likely an internal infection. So that was tough. But to your point, Joe, um, the one that died actually was completely different structurally than than the other two. Yeah. 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 When I first seen your pigs before I before you got in, like in your early videos, before you kind of got into the breeds that you had, like pointing them out to people, yeah. I, I a couple of my thought Cooney Coon. Mm -hmm. they, they seem to be on the yeah. smaller side. Oh, yeah. um, so they took after that. And then you were telling, you know, saying Idaho pasture pigs. I've raised a couple Idaho pasture pigs and I really liked them. Uh, mine were from direct 
stock from the original breeding stock. I got them from a, a guy that had brought bought some directly from that farm. And honestly, I, I enjoyed them. And if I could have found them when I was looking for pigs a couple of years ago, I probably would have those right now uh, in, in a pasture setup compared to what my mangalitsas are growing out at versus what I grew my Idaho pasture pigs out at. It, it, it would have made more sense for me to go that route, honestly. And it seems like the, the crossbreeding thing is uh, an interesting thing because it seems like the more breeds you kind of get into it, you come up with some unique animals. Like I know um, Kyle, your red, uh, your new what is red? His name is yeah, <laughs> interesting. But it's also hard to control, like you guys are saying with the with yeah. the Idaho's. You know, three different breeds going in there, they can spit out really <laughs> any yeah, way or form. It's real interesting because it's like I'm dealing with that now because it's again I'm starting with pure, like a pure Hereford pig, and then with this batch that we have now, I knew. For a fact, it was half Mangalitsa, half Ossabon. So I know I'm dealing with those three breeds and being able to like look at the piglets that we have and now be, having put one through the shop, again, I have the benefit of also processing Herefords from this these genetics and processing Ossabons and Mangalitsas from the other genetics because I've process pigs from the same farm mm -hmm. so it's i know what they both look like separately now together it gets crazy it's so weird like well i have some pictures of like all of our pork we'll bring that up when we get into like the meat quality section of all this but it's when i process that boar that we put through all of my pigs right now they're almost six months old or right around six months old he hung at 95 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Ooh, yep. all right. I was already planning on raising these guys till about end of April, maybe early May. Anyway, get them mm -hmm. out before the next batch of piglets comes in. So I knew there was going to be a longer grow out, but I'm like, I'm hoping for 180 pound hang weight by then, but ugh, I might lose my shirt on all these. Like this is a learning experience. I, I won't lose my shirt, but it'll be like, yeah, definitely didn't make the profit we needed to on these because mm -hmm. of the longer grow out. But that's what you get when you're working with it. But it's I cut into that thing. It was the size of what I would expect a normal Asaba Mangalitsa to be. The fat quality was all Manga Asaba. But if you look at the marbling and where the muscle structure is, it's all Hereford. So it's just Hereford, like a Hereford body on a small frame. Yeah. It's crazy. To be able to look at that from like a bird's eye view and be like, oh, that's genetics. That's crazy. Yeah. So the two, I think we have two of the piglets from that Idaho. Now she was bred with the Guinea uh, Hampshire cross. So I'm <laughs> really curious to see kind of what's going to go on there. It's hard to tell this early on. They all just pretty much black and white. I believe I can kind of tell by the snouts, um, you know, a little flatter like they would typically be in the Idaho's. Mm -hmm. But as they grow, I'm hoping to kind of differentiate and hopefully um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it'll be an interesting uh, breed. A lot of a lot going oh, on. Yeah. There. yeah. And then you look at my herd and I have like a complete, you know, and that was more so I bought what I could find because piglets were going crazy. I mean, I didn't get a smoking deal like, you know, you did, Tyler, but I drove all the way down to uh, almost a 
Pittsburgh, PA to get my original Mangalitsa crosses. And I had four Mangalitsa Idaho pasture pig crosses, two Mangalitsa crossed on old spot and one pure Mangalitsa out of that, that I bought from that lady. As soon as I got home that day, someone in two towns over posted Mangalitsa cross piglets for like $25 more a piece than I paid for these ones. Now these ones, I, you know, they were four or five months old already when I bought them at a hundred dollars a piece. So I took the, I think it was That's not bad. two and a half, three hours from here, something like that. Three hour ride one way. And I took the road with, I have a little enclosed trailer my grandfather built and I, that's what I hauled them in. And uh, I hauled them all the way back and they grew quite a bit slower than I was expecting. I butchered the Idaho pasture pig crosses hung heavier than the, the old spot cross of Mangalitsa. I don't know if it was the old spot genetics they had bred in. They were horrible. They were like, I think they, they were the same age and they hung at 140 at 13 yeah. months old. Like, and they got fed the same as everybody else. Um, the Mangalitsa, the pure Mangalitsa actually was the heaviest the second heaviest one out of the group. Yeah. And he was the same age. They were all born within the same month, but there wasn't at 12 months old, 12, 13 months old. Uh, when I processed those pigs, there wasn't the marbling. There was a ton of fat, but there wasn't much marbling in the meat. And I just wasn't impressed. You didn't get that extra flavor you're supposed to get. And I'm like, well, you know, like I've said plenty of times, I can't afford to raise them out any longer than that because I, you know, my pig cost breakdown, I lost money this, this year on doing that. And, and I'm sure I lost money last year because I didn't change my prices and it was no different. Same, same, that longer grow out. Um, so the different genetics I'm bringing in now, like the last letter I had that was out of the Mangalitsa Berkshire Hamp cross out in my Berkshire Duroc boar. Those were completely different body style. Like Kyle was saying, you can, once you start picking and looking like yeah. they were very blocky and wide, like their dad, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't expect them to grow super fast because Berkshires are actually kind of a little bit slower growing than some of the commercial, like Hereford are faster and, right. um, you know, York and those ones. So I wasn't expecting a super fast grow up, but a bigger chop, like I need to find some chops that I processed from those original uh, Mangalitsa across because they were super small. Like I could fit them in the palm of my hand as a 12 month old pig. Yeah. You're kind well, of, and it's, I, you, I think that goes into, cause we've had this conversation a bunch about mangas and it's at the moment of the, t- the moment of time that we're at right now, mangas are hot. Man, like mm-hmm. on all the homesteading pages, all of it, it's <clears throat> everyone's getting into mangas. They're the cute curly-haired yep. pigs yep. that look awesome and they're super fun, and a bunch of big YouTubers have them, and this, that, and the other. It's but the Highlander it's of pigs. Yeah, it's <laughs> it needs to be explained to people that you're not gonna end up with the same quantity out of a York that you would out of like a Yorkshire or a Hereford mm. or things like that. Because yeah. especially for a lot of new people, pigs are pigs. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to bring this thing to the butcher and it's, I'm going to get pork chops and bacon back. And it's like, you're yes. going to get pork chops and bacon. I promise you that. But it's not going to be a dinner plate. It's going to be a tea plate. It's going to be about this big and it's going to mm-hmm. 
depending on how you fed them, because again, it's your first time for a lot of people, it's going to be three quarters fat yeah. because you were just like, corn, these things love corn. They just eat all eat it all yeah. the time. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, we didn't even pull bacon from ours because they yeah. were they were so small, the fat layer, and like it's not even worth it. So a lot of that just I took um chunks of of belly that I'm just gonna fry up and then the rest was grind. I say I saved the bellies off of this off of the bore I put in just because they were about an inch. Like they weren't huge, but I was like, that's that's a belly. All right, that's more than I thought I was gonna get. I thought it was just gonna be spare ribs. Like I thought it was yeah. really gonna keep the spare rib on. Thick. And that was it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's going to be thick cut. That's for sure. Cause I got to make up for the fact that it's about that thick. <laughs> like, yeah. But again, it is what it is. Like, that's the thing that for anyone really getting going in it for the first time, I almost highly suggest going in on the like more production breeds because it gives mm-hmm. you that, it gives you a buffer of time. Because it's going to be way quicker from start to finish. Yeah, I agree. And there's less that can go wrong in that time. You start having pigs for 13 months. One, it's going to cost you money. Two, they're going to know their aerial way better than that six-month-old that you put in the cooler. Like, mm-hmm. it's... there. Yeah, I would almost heavily suggest getting into Yorkshire's or a Hereford or a Berkshire or Duroc. Like, something that is around then yeah. get into hey i kind of want to play with these heritage breeds and see what they're yeah. about like i didn't do that because i'm an idiot i was just like well, let's do it let's drive three hours to vermont yeah, pick up this Me neither. yeah exactly <laughs> like i yeah do as i say not as i do kind of situation but it's you're gonna have a better you're gonna have a better time like your first time yeah yeah, I had a couple pigs come through the shop, and first time the people ever raised pigs, she bought them at the auction, mm. you know, not knowing what you're getting. Yep. And I'm almost positive that they were Cooney Coon crossed with Yorks. They were completely white like a York, but once I started, I got them on the skinning cradles and got them cleaned up. Um, you could see their nose was kind of turned up, shorter like a Cooney Coon. And they were, I asked him, I said, you know, because he's like, well, what do you think about them? And I, and I just told him, I said, they're small. You know, I want you to understand that because I didn't want them coming back unhappy because they were expecting a lot more meat, you know, as their first time. And I, we talked through different things that they were doing and it doesn't sound like they were doing anything completely wrong. I gave him some pointers on different ways to feed him water that would help him with his chore time, but also, you know, give him increase, but they were like 85 pounds and 127 pound hang weight. And they were, he said he had them for like seven months. Yeah. So, so, you know, and like, like I told him, if I knew exactly how much feed he put into him and everything, I could have done a cost breakdown per pound. And I said, yeah, it sounds, you might've put a little less feed into him, but your price per pound for that little tiny pig is going to be way higher than it would have at a 200 pound hang weight pig that dressed out at 160, 170 or 250 pounds that dressed out at 180 pounds. Um, you, you got to think of it that way too. I told him you could have took that second pig, sold it to a family member to pay for the feed and everything and kind of at least break even on the first batch. And I, I was, I tried being as courage, encouraging as possible. Cause I want to see them keep doing it. You know, I'm always there, there to encourage people, but 
I just was giving them tips and pointers in case they did want to keep doing it on what to look for in pigs and different ways of feeding and watering and, you know, the whole nine yards. You know, it's, it's probably okay for a first timer to raise smaller animals if they have an understanding and, and don't expect a ton of meat, but you guys, I'm yeah. sure you see it all the time where well, people is, come in and they're expecting, you know, 200 pounds of meat off of an animal. It's, it's just not happening. Yeah. And they well, were really say. good about it. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. As a butcher talking to new farmers and homesteaders, we know you're new within mm -hmm. the first five seconds because most of you go, so how much bacon am I getting? Yep. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's a 300 pound pig that you're going to get a bunch of bacon off of or a small dog that you brought in on trailer. Like that is the first question out of the first year, first year farmers of just like, so how much bacon am I going to get? <laughs> and then I have to be the bad guy and go, you're not. <laughs> dependent yeah. dependent on the situation yeah so canadian farmstead down here he has cooney coonies um canadian farmstead says i'm happy my pigs were smaller the first year i raised some yes that is the flip side you're absolutely right if you do have a smaller animal they are easier to deal with like especially if you've never been around pigs all of a sudden you get around a 300 pound live weight like feeder that you're trying to get on a trailer that can yeah. get, that can get uh, a little scary for some people. That's what I did. It's the first couple, well, the first four years that I raised pigs, I bought really nice commercial crossbred feeders from a local guy that raises really nice pigs, AI breeds. But I bought them in the fall because they were really cheap. Never done pigs before. I did a bunch of reading and watch videos and stuff. And then but I didn't know how to judge those animals weight by looking at them live. And I think those first ones hung at like 280, 300 ish pounds. And I don't, I didn't have the infrastructure on my old property and I don't have great infrastructure here, but I can walk up and shoot in my pasture. Now, you know, I have right. a butcher shop before I was, before I knew how to process myself, I had to take them somewhere. Um, so getting those things in a livestock trailer, it was the old bucket method walking across the property trying to get them in a livestock trailer and we we had some uh, interesting times we had a couple take us for rides but it's a it's a learning lesson i can see the small thing but that goes back to understanding you're raising a smaller pig so the next time you do buy commercial yep. pigs you're not getting into like a shock of you know not letting that smaller carcass gaslight you into thinking that pigs are great and they're easy to handle and then you get a three four hundred pound live weight feeder because they grew three times faster than what you were used to the first year. That um, is the scenario. It's There's really no gray area with first-time farmers. I've probably only mm -hmm. seen like two or three people really nail it the first year because they had guidance. They had someone there helping them. Yep. Either the pigs come in and they are so small because they got a breed that somebody told them to get because they saw it on a YouTube channel and they thought it was going to be a great idea and yep. it wasn't. Or they get into, um, like, they get some Yorkshires, which is great. Like, that's awesome. But then all of a sudden, it sets, they keep them to eight months because they can't get into a butcher in time. And all of a sudden, they yeah. have a 300-pound carcass that they're like, oh, God, I have three of these. And it's like, yeah, man. Like <laughs> That was another thing into. I was going to bring up is – Call whatever processor you're planning on using or a couple call before you get your pigs and see where they're booking out to. Yep. Cause 
you know, small guys like me and Kyle, we're not right now, we're not booking out next fall right away. It gives you a little bit of playthrough, but a lot of shops, especially around me, are booked out. I know most of the local shops are already booking into 25, like March, April of 2025. Someone please call me now. Call me now, please. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So call ahead and see if if you have to take a slot at a certain amount of time, then get your piglet. Say you're looking at a commercial piglet six to seven months to to match that butcher date. Because a lot of times people get their pigs, raise them for two, three months, and then, oh, I'm going to call a processor. Well, now you got to hold them, you know, six more months or seven more months or hope that you can get on a cancellation list for when you need to get in. Right. And then if, you know, most people getting into new pigs don't have a way to haul them. So yep. now you got yep. to line up somebody that can haul them. And you got stuff you got to think of ahead of time. I didn't, I, I thought of the hauling and stuff, but the processing, I didn't, but I, one of my friends is like, Hey, you might want to call the processor as soon as you pick those piglets up. Actually, the guy that I was buying piglets from, he said, call now, get your processing dates for six or seven months. He's like, take those dates and just raise the pigs to it. And what you get is what you get. Um, so that's what I did. And that's what I always continue to do. And so I, until I started processing my own animals. Or just learn to do it yourself too. I mean, that's, Kind of what we dove into. I mean, we went all in this year, and I think it was honestly probably our best decision. We didn't have to worry about scheduling anything out, kind of learn from you guys, so I appreciate that. But even if you have a hack job the first couple times, you know, it is what it is. It's still meat. Let me me tell everyone who just heard that. You're going to have a hack job the first couple times. Yeah, absolutely. Like (laughs) what the the lead cutter at the shop I trained at, his saying was, everything looks great as burger or ground. You can't yep. go wrong. I mean, most people are going to utilize it that way. But the also on the side note of that, Tyler, is you had smaller pigs. You had Correct. access to Correct. a small tractor. Yep. If you don't have equipment or anything and you that's get a 600-pound yeah, sure line, right a, yeah, you exactly. Yeah. It's, that's where it gets rough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, we already kind of worked ourselves over there. Let's start talking about meat quality. So, Tyler, we'll start with you again. Like, you've got some... Again, you've got all the breeds in there. Yeah. Like, how did everything come out? I mean, I really couldn't have been happier with the turnout of the meat. Um, you know, the chops, they were small. I mean, all the cuts were small. Like I said, right. smaller animal, you're just going to have that. But as far as flavor, I say I like fattier cuts, um, which is why I left that 27-inch layer of fat on there. <laughs> but right. uh, it, it, it was really good. Uh, we just cooked those up last night. Um, very, very tender. I mean, it almost ate like steak. So, I mean, I can't complain. I know I sound like I'm selling my own product here, but I mean, well, you uh, are, but you're yeah, supposed to. Yeah. Um, I mean, and yeah, so we, for the audio listeners, we do have um, a picture of Tyler's pork chops on the fridge on the screen, which I couldn't figure out how to put it in present. So now I'm just completely blocking Tyler out, but um, no, I mean, gorgeous red color. It does have a decent fat cap on it, which is what yeah. to be expected with the breeds that you yeah. got. Um, but yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And it, it looks like it's the, the rib chop section and there's nice fat layer in, you know, under that top cap. So yeah, the one, it one thing good, I, yeah. I definitely kind of jacked up a little bit. Uh, we were making sausage and we were in a pinch and I probably could have ratioed it out a little better. It did get pretty fatty. Now that's okay for me, 
But mm-hmm. my wife, I know she's not too thrilled about it. I mean, the seasonings, everything we use there, that, that was great. But again, a little fat on the fatty side. So next time I'll just kind of pull some of that back. Yeah. And that's the, uh, once you learn, you do it enough, you'll yeah. learn what it looks like when it's mixed in the bucket. Like most of the time now, while I'm cutting, I'll, I'll be watching. We talked about this at the burger, yep. I think last week or week before. You you could tell what you want in your fat ratio in your your sausage and you play around with it. You know, yeah. once you it, it just comes with experience and doing it more frequently. Yeah, because so. I know I like a little bit fattier. Yeah. Brian's in the chat and he's gonna get me on this one. I like a fattier <laughs> sausage. <laughs> I don't like them lean, I like them big and fatty. So I will put a little more fat into it. I yeah. just think it I yeah, I'm I'm gonna stop digging that hole. And that's the, I mean, the chops. I I didn't even trim the chops really because the fat it's it melts like butter. I mean, it's yeah. honestly probably the best part of it. I could eat just pretty much straight fat. I know that sounds crazy, but well, the Idaho pasture pigs have a similar fat to the mangas yeah. and the ospas, where it's yeah. I've been trying to figure out like a, the best way to describe it, and I said it in the video a couple times. Like soft is the only way I can describe it compared to like a production breed pork. Like there's just something about a production. I saw him. I see him. I see him in there. I'm not bringing it up. Um, like a production breed pork, the fat is solid. Like even yeah. as you're slaughtering yeah. it, it's holds its form pretty much. And then as soon as you get in out of the walk-in, it's solid. You can peel it right off. With some of these heritage breeds, like the mangas, ospas, Idaho pasture pigs, um it's just softer. Like you can just press on it and it just forms to your finger, put like putting it into the cooler. And I noticed when I was processing my sow is it firmed up a little bit when it was cooler, but as soon as I brought it out to break it down within 15 minutes, it was back to being super greasy because the, from what I understand, I think the melt temperature on that is lower, lower than regular large you know pig fat um yeah like you just your normal body temperature touching it when you're skinning them and gutting them it melts the fat mm-hmm. off like you oh, come out yeah, and it's covered and it looks like you greased yourself up yep. to go to the fucking beach that's <laughs> what i feel like after i get done processing those are the, those are cool. super fun on those like august days when those guys come in yeah it's like yeah, I've walked You're in. You're better off like, just taking the whole thing in the freezer. and Exactly. I've walked in before and my wife's just like, what is wrong with you? Because I just, I look like I just got off Magic Mike. I'm just greasy. <laughs> yes. Like, it's That's like, what's happening? Like. Oh, yeah. I've had it to where I've been on mobile slaughters and it's like, I've looked at my truck the next day when it's raining and there's just, I've had to like lean over the bed or something. So that just on the side of the truck, there's just a perfect chest and like stomach outline where I was all covered in pig fat and I just pressed mm-hmm. myself up against the truck. So water's just ripping off that part because it's completely yep. waterproof. Well, it makes cleanup. That's a job too. With, oh, uh, it's water. terrible. Cleaning the grinders out. Yeah. And I, I think like with this sow too is I did o- overdo it with the fat a little bit because I think that softer fat spreads out differently in the meat when you're making yes. sausage differently so i think next time i'm going to pull more of the fat out i didn't even add any back in but it was just something i noticed like because i always throw my sausage in the freezer for a couple hours before i do it just to you know make it a little bit nicer colder stuff's easier 
Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that with that softer fat, it spreads through that meat a lot more consistent. Uh, but it does seem like it, it puts a lot of fat into it. If you're not paying attention, if you gotta be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Next time I'm definitely going to pull some of the fat, save it. I don't know if I'll need, need some for when we actually finally butcher a lamb, but it could be an option there to kind of mix it in. If, if we do sausage there. I actually have, uh, um, someone that they bought a pig from me and, they got they're the people I got my two um Santa Gertrudis beef cows from. Yep. So the deal to you know, I didn't have money to buy them at the time. So we just did a deal where they got a quarter of a beef for the next couple of years to pay for the cows. Um, so she actually wants me to grind the pork fat from her pigs into the beef to to give it so and it, she she likes grass fed beef, but she wants the fat back into the burger so they that stick. Um so it works out in my favor. I get rid of some of the fat and I rather not throw it away if I can help it. Yeah. So I need to go through my chest freezer in the shop and just like, I have to do like a lard weekend and just render lard all weekend. I've got a bunch of bear fat, bunch of pork fat, like, cause I feel bad throwing it away. It's like, this is such a resource that nobody uses. Yeah. A lot of I end up with like 60 pounds of fat that I'm like, what am I doing with this? I'm assuming a lot of people will not want that. Right. Yeah. It, de- yeah. it depends on the customers. I'll yeah. push yeah. it. I'll push people to be like, listen, yeah, take hard it. is not hard. Yep. I have videos on it. There are a thousand videos on it. It's really mm-hmm. easy to do. You should do it. And they'll still go, nah. And I go, all right, that's fine. Well, I think like, cause I was in that mindset too. Like I just started, started utilizing lard. Like I'm now, cause now we're switching over to a keto carnivore style diet for our whole family. I'm utilizing that lard instead of vegetable oil or some kind of vegetable oil spray. Um, so we're going to be rendering down a bunch and I'm going to be rendering down leaf lard and giving it to a couple of our family members that does a lot of baking and stuff um, just to utilize it. Like you said, I don't want to see it go to waste, but I am seeing a lot more customers starting to take more organs and fat back with them. Um, I think because prices are increasing. So like I explained to my, um is a butcher taking my meat video and i just finished the the pork one um to get the your most money out of paying a processor after you've already raised that animal or paid somebody else to raise that animal the more you take back the more weight you take back with you is going to lower your price per pound that you put into it right in, in the general scheme of things you're gonna if you can utilize more of that animal that you've already paid for it's your stuff you know, if you can figure out a way to use the bones and the fat and, you know, all the extra stuff, all the organs, um, even if you're not eating it yourself, find family members that'll eat it. At least you're giving it away and somebody's utilizing it. It's not going to a landfill or a yeah. compost pile or what, you know, what, whatever happens to it. Feed it to your dogs or whatever. Well, Joe, we'll jump over to you. How was your meat quality out of these guys? Um. I wish I had more pictures of the old spot crosses I raised this year. Um, but you got pictures from my Mangalitsa cell. (laughs) Um, I was very impressed. Like I I know I've been knocking the Mangalitsas a lot lately just because it profitability wise. Right. But this, this sow particular sow was just shy of two years old and she was the second Mangalitsa Berkshire hamp. I think they had a little bit of old spot in there too. 
Um, but as you can see, my hand in the pitcher. That's that a small chop for two years. Two-year-old, yeah. And I trimmed off probably two inches of back fat Yeah, off of that. Um, I saved all that. I trimmed off anything that had little blemishes or a little bit of drying from hanging in the cooler for a few days, but most of it I saved. And, but I tried a pork steak the day that I, um, processed her. Cause I, I wanted to see what the meat was like to see if I was going to save it and put more to sausage. And right. the flavor was fantastic. It fell apart really good. Um, the marbling was amazing. Like I, I'm super happy with it, but mm. At a at a, a money making standpoint in my it's area, tough. I can't I can't raise them that long. You know, two wow. years is just too long. Yeah. And even at you know, I think most of my breeding stock are getting right around three to five pounds a day if they're stealing from each other. You know, um, I'm not, they're on a maintenance feed, but three to five pounds a day. At I wish I had my notepad with me with what my cost breakdowns. Um, that it's a lot of money. I think I, I worked it out to be like 300 and something dollars just for maintenance feed for a year. Right. So now I have seven, 800 by the time I bought them it just into maintaining and feeding that pig over a long period of time, probably more than that. Um, just, you know, by the time I paid for the piglets, I think I paid 125 a piece for them. So I was probably close to a thousand dollars into that pig. On top of paying the processing, because we're paying the shop for the processing, which is going to be right around um, five or six hundred dollars because of her size. Right. So if I'm going to spend fifteen hundred dollars on something, I'd rather just put a half a beef in the freezer or a quarter of a beef, whatever the price works out to be uh, for, for that time frame. Now, the quality, I, I'm so I can now see and understand why they say raise them out to set 18, 24 months. Right. Um, I got the marbling in there. The flavor was fantastic. The color of the meat was amazing. Um, and if you want to raise mangalitsas and you have the time and you don't care about that, and you have uh, a nice woodlot with acorns and hickories and stuff like that, I don't have that here to utilize that feed source in the fall to kind of cut back on the commercial feed or uh, restaurants or grocery stores or food pantries that you can pick up vegetables and stuff because mangalitsas do utilize that really well so do the idaho pasture pigs and stuff um that's great i encourage you to do it like i'm i'm very impressed with the meat just as a farm standpoint and being profitable it's i can't justify raising them that long and that also seems to be everybody that raises breeds like this they always seem to be able to pick up you know food scraps from local restaurants things like that grocery Mm -hmm. stores i've asked around in my area just haven't had any luck with it but if I yeah. could, I mean, that's, that's the ticket because then at that point, it's you know, a huge, yeah, yep. it's a huge part of it. I just got back yeah. on my local grocery stores list. I go every Friday um, and pick up, it's like two boxes, but it's two boxes yeah. of correct veggies yeah. that I wouldn't get. Yeah. I've got yeah. a farm now that I get three buckets of milk whenever they get mm-hmm. them. Like whenever they fill up all three, they'll either come and drop them off. I'll go and pick them up. And if they have any old um, pastries and stuff like that from their farm stand, because they do their own bread and pastries and stuff, they'll toss that in too. So it's like super help, super helpful for sure. Yeah. To like, yeah, especially if you can find a source of some kind of dairy. Yeah. Um, yep. But I always, as a butcher standpoint, don't solely feed your pigs on scraps. It mm-hmm. never works out. They don't get the mineral content they want. 
the fat tends to be, I mean, the breeds that we're raising are already super greasy. Right. You feed them straight dairy or Correct. straight red. Oh my God. The fat basically. You're not going to enjoy that pork. No, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. And it goes, it goes back in my instance, at least the whole corn thing, it's, it's a very similar result. So I got to up the protein a little bit. That's the mm -hmm. plan for this year is kind of give them a higher protein content and hopefully with some of that forage that I can get in there, I would like to start growing some things. I know you guys, you talked a little bit about having um, trees in there as far as like nuts. Obviously that's a longer term plan. Mm -hmm. We forage for acorns, things like that. That's always good. But um, hopefully again, I, I can come up with something to at least supplement because the feed costs, they do. That's obviously the, the number one input with pigs is, is always going to be your feed. Yeah. My feed cost went down. I picked up feed today and it was cheaper. And I was like, did I get the right stuff? And that's, they're like, no, the price went down. Buy more. Like, hey. <laughs> you, should, you buy it in bulk and ship it to me and Tyler. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. But, uh, but yeah. I've actually been doing a lot of research on playing around with mixing your own feed and buying whole ingredients. Mm -hmm. But then you got, is it worth your time to do it? And do you have the storage capacity to make it yeah. worth it? That's where it gets um, tough. I've, I've done it before. I, right. I've done it with five feeder pigs before. And it's not it's not horrible, especially if you're buying like cornmeal and soybean meal. And most places will sell you the pig minerals. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have, if you're just doing feeders, it doesn't have to be a rocket science mixture. No. You want to make sure they're getting enough minerals that they're getting what they need. Um, and I think it's like most of them are basically like four to one ratio with the, the corn, the cornmeal versus soybean meal. Um, right. but then you got, when you factor in your time, are you actually saving money than just buying a commercially mixed ration? Um, there is a local place that sells a mixture of corn and oats. I think I'm going to try buying a bulk 2000 yeah, pound bins, yeah. um, and just supplementing figuring out the, the protein ratio in that and then supplementing maybe a, a little bit of soybean meal or other means that I can't say on air um, right. to, to, to even <laughs> out the ratios. Uh, so if, if you're on my hit list, beware. Right. I'm not <laughs> Never trust a man with a pig farm. Uh, <laughs> a butcher with a pig farm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so I guess that leaves me. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I mean, I wasn't pumped I had to put this boar in the cooler. It was kind of a means to an end kind of thing. For those who have been following the podcast for a while, like I had kept the boar intact to restart the breeding cycle with the boar that we ended up losing. So I picked the best boar or the best boar out of the group of piglets. We kept him intact. He was gonna be our next breeder boar. And he looked great and I was happy with him. And then I was looking at everything and I'm like, well, I need a boar for this, like this upcoming cycle. Um, and I kind of was just like, I'll just take whatever. And then we'll just get back to it once he gets of age and stuff like that. So we can get it all figured out and ended up finding red who is pretty damn similar to the genetics I was working with, but even closer to what I was trying to get to because I really, again, we hash out these mangas and ospas a bunch, like, and we decided to raise them. So we can only blame ourselves, but I do think the genetics are good, especially for what we're trying to, at least I'm trying to do with being in a much colder climate 
and just the meat quality of them, I think is amazing. But I really think it's just a dash. Like you don't need, it's like cayenne pepper. That's mm-hmm. exactly yeah. it. I like cayenne pepper. If you dump a whole thing of cayenne pepper into whatever you're cooking, it's going to be rough. But if you just yeah. put a dash in, it's like, Ooh, that, that brings out some bold flavors. I didn't know were there. Yeah. So a little bit goes a long way. A little bit goes a long way when it comes to mangas and ospas, I'm finding out. Um, so we had to figure out what we were going to do, whether I was going to keep them, build another pen with all the ground being frozen and having to shuffle everything around. And it just wasn't going to happen. So we didn't get a pig this year for our out of the feeders we raised. So I was like, we'll just put them in the cool, in the, put them in our freezer and it'll give me a good like barometer for how, how they're doing and what's going on. And I was super excited. I'll bring up his chops and Tyler, I promise this is the first, the last time you're going to get blocked That's out of the right. podcast. This is the last <laughs> time you're getting Kyle's meat in your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is the cross cut off of him. So these are the shoulders right off the edge of the rib chop. Yeah. And Again, this is a six-month-old animal. And, yes, it is small for sure. But the marbling that's already in there is yeah, yes. insane. Um, And I, I've posted a bunch of pictures about, like, my Herefords and stuff like that. And I, that's what I was shocked about. Again, it's a much smaller frame, but that could be a Hereford pork chop. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm happy with them for sure. Um, I'm not over the moon happy like i was when they were born but again it's gonna be gonna be a learning experience all right rachel's question yeah i brown i would assume that you would want to take the hull off because there's a lot of tannins in a black walnut the husk or the hull of it um that's why a lot of trappers use them for boiling their traps in or whatever all those tannins can actually become toxic to a lot of animals um, pigs are fairly smart on foraging, so they might just shred them off themselves. But if you only have a couple of pigs and you don't want to take the risk, or if they're in a confinement pen, like I'm pretty, we were talking about your, your setup and you would need a small confinement, maybe a composting style pen. Um, I probably would go the extra mile and take the, the hulls off just not to risk it. Just to be um, sure. Honestly. Yeah. And they're very hard. I'm sure that the pigs can crush them. I don't know. Right. I've never fed walnuts. I got a couple of small black walnuts. I thought about trying it myself. Um, I do collect hickories and acorns. Actually, the um, piglets this year found that hole in the fence and cleaned up the red acorns underneath the trees like crazy. Like I was now that the snow melted off this week, I was up at the cabin um, talking to my grandfather the, a couple of days ago and I was looking at the yard and I got to roll it. Like they've turned the whole yard over right. down there. That, um, but which is fine. It needed some aeration. I'm not too upset. Less grass. I got to mow first thing in the spring. I absolutely, I love mowing. I just don't have the time to do it. And then it irritates the crap out of me when the lawn gets overgrown and looks like crap. Like I can't stand when the lawn looks like garbage, but at the same time, I don't have the time to keep up on it. Like I want it to look. Oh, I don't so. care. I don't care about my lawn whatsoever. <laughs> my buddies give me shit because my wife's like, my wife mows the lawn. Like, that's yep. her thing. Same here. I, I couldn't <laughs> care less. I could not care less about what my lawn looks like. So I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just, while I was breaking down that sow, I did a small, like a real quick um, video 
that I'm going to be putting out in the next week or two on that. And then I'm processing um, my last Mangalitsa cross. He's 50% Mangalitsa. He's out of that Idaho pasture boar cross. And then um, the my Berkshire cross uh, ham in Mangalitsa. Um, so I'm going to do him in my last old spot feeder and do a side-by-side -side comparison of weights, uh, fat content, marbling if it's there, chop size, and yields at the end. Because another thing I noticed with the Mangalitsa crosses, especially, I can't remember back to when I did Iowa Pasture Pigs, the amount of sausage you get off those animals is a lot less than you're going to get off after you trim the fat off. So I did a sow that was 360 something pounds that, that first big sow that I did. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her exact weight, um, but she was high. I think she was 380 something pounds, but that sow hung at 367. I got 67 pounds of sausage off that sow versus 180 pounds off the other sow. Now I took a lot more cuts off this sow of mine than, than what those other people took. Um, but even if I turned it all into sausage, I probably would end up with like 120 ish pounds of sausage. Um, so that's, that's 60 pounds less out of a 20 pound variation in hang weight. So say 40 pounds difference versus what I can't, I took off in fat that went to, you know, a ground sausage. So that's another thing to think if you're you're getting into them, just realize you're getting a lot less meat content. Um, so I did see a pretty interesting video the other day while I was processing the pigs um, on how to turn pig lard into biodiesel to run in a diesel motor, an older diesel motor. That's pretty, it's pretty cool. cool. I actually saved it. I want to go back. So I was listening to it, but he had all the equations on how to do it popped right. up. Um, so I want to go back and actually physically watch it. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, yeah. well, I if anything, I, it's a good thing to know. Right. And it's, we've kind of touched on it through all of this. We've gone back and forth with it, but it's, again, none of these breeds are bad to raise. Like, again, none of us are telling you that these are the raids. Yeah. These are the ones you absolutely need to. It's just the education on them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people are doing people any favors like pushing stuff. I was laughing. I was laughing my ass off. I was in a Barnes and Noble yesterday, which is not my natural habitat. My skin <laughs> kind of burned as I walked in. I was like, ah. like, and my wife was off in Harry Potter land. I didn't even know what she was doing. She walked in like Willy Wonka's factory. Like, <laughs> so I'm over in like the farming homestead section because where else am I going to go? And I'm thumbing through books. And it was like one of the books I picked up. I don't even remember the name of it, but it was like the, go-to guide for backyard animal raising yeah. and it like it had a list in the middle of it of like it had like a pull-out page with a bunch of awesome graphics and this that and the other like these are the best breeds you could possibly have and the number one like going into cattle was scottish highland and i'm like i put the book down immediately i'm like this is the dumbest book no. this yeah like so it's just situations like that where it's like you're going out there and putting this book out in mass production with just your experience on this. Mm -hmm. And it's like the, the fact that I opened a book and their go-to for a small 
cow for a backyard farm is literally the devil. <laughs> like, I can't trust you. But that's what a lot of people are getting, where it's they're getting all of this information about these breeds that are, they're great if you got got a little time under your belt and understand what you're getting into, or even just have someone really sit you down and go, you're not getting what you think you're going to get with this yeah. animal. Well, that's now right. that you know that, go on yeah. and have an amazing time learning and growing and producing for yourself, but don't have illusions of what you're doing. That's where YouTube can be very exactly. dangerous because, you know, what works for somebody, I mean, that's not going to work for a lot of people. Everything's situational with all of this stuff. So, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, that's another thing, depending where you're located, there's certain things that just doesn't matter what animal it is. There's certain things that just, they're not going to work. Yeah. Right. But that's that being said, I think the three of us do take a lot of time out to point out to people what we are doing works for us. It Correct. might not work yep. for you. Like that's one of the first things I'd said when I started oh, yeah. my channel. Like I'm here to give you ideas and encourage you and show you what I'm doing. But a lot of stuff that I do is a mash of mashup of other things other people were doing that I Absolutely. took from YouTube and personal experiences. And I made all those things come together and work for my farm. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I completely agree. I always say that too in my videos. I'm like, I am not, I don't claim to be an expert. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, take what you want out of it because exactly that. I'm taking a lot of things from a lot of other people, pulling that stuff kind of, and some of it, honestly, I'm just kind of winging it <laughs> to be straightforward. So, um, anyway, I have a question for you guys as, we're talking pigs here. Um, you guys butcher them all the time. At what point does boar taint become a thing? I know, Kyle, you just butchered one young. You hear it all the time. And I, I obviously haven't experienced that, but I'm sure a lot of people wonder that out there. So that's a load. That's a bit of a loaded bag mm -hmm. because there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different people <clears throat> talking about a bunch of different stuff. I don't really smell boar taint. Like, yeah. It just doesn't affect me. It's a lot of it with a lot of research they've done now. It's a genetic thing where either you have it or you don't. Because I've seen it. The old um, at the old USDA plant I was at, um, my boss, my boss's wife, like could not walk into the walking cooler if they were slaughtering pigs and they had a boar come in. Like she would just be like, can't even do it. Yeah. Like I've heard of people like not even being able, like sending food back at a restaurant, like, because yeah. it was like a boar slipped in and it was like, I can't eat this. I just put a boar in. There was nothing. We ate it. There's nothing to it. Again, it was six months old. So it was yeah, just we, coming into. And that's why I'm asking. We put two own. in and I don't, as far as I, well, it wasn't mine. It was my dad's and my buddy's, but as far no. as I know, there was no, no issue there. That being said, now that we have red here, I can walk out my front door and go, oh, yeah, we got a boar on the yeah. property again. Like, you, like, boars have a very distinct smell. Yep. That doesn't always translate into the meat, but if you have a sexually active pit, like a mature boar who's getting work done, they, you mm -hmm. run the risk. Like, it's... <clears throat> Better be on the safer side and grind it 
yeah, heavily sees that. Mm-hmm. But again, it could be right around a year. Like if you got a if you got a boar that's about a year old, and especially if he has already like bred or has been trying, he's got that testosterone running. You run the risk of boar tame. But yeah. again, at the same time, it's going to be a person to person basis. Yep. And it's also genetic. Like you said, it's it. a lot of it has to do with genetics. I brought that pure Mangalitsa that I got when I bought him, I was told he was a baro. He was not. And with the Mangalitsas and Asabas, their man parts don't descend like a lot of the commercial breeds. They kind of stay up, tucked up. For the most part, after they fully, fully mature at around a year, year and a half old, you can notice. And I started like, I'm like, man, he looks like kind of like a boar, but he didn't look like my other boar. I mean, he, right. you knew yep. he was a boar. Yep. Um, but when I processed him, he, he was 13 months old, no boar tank. But I, when I worked at the USDA plant, we, we didn't process for customers. We only processed what? our farm that was connected to the butcher shop raised. We bought in 70 to 80 feeders every other month. And they were all York crosses raised in a commercial climate operation on uh, my old boss's farm. Same thing with his beef kettle. And if you got uh, one that had uh, descended or a testicle that held back or they didn't castrate it in the group, six months old when we were processing those pigs, you knew there was a boar in there coming from that commercial herd they run with, you know, if the, the commercial pigs tend to mature and become sexually reproductive Quicker. earlier yeah. than the heritage breeds. Um, I know Herefords are known for that to become yeah. mature earlier. So if your herd does have Bortane in it, you and, and you have a commercial style pig, if, if it's there, the it comes with maturity. As soon yeah. as that boar is mature and is around sows or gilts that are getting to that age where they're going to, he's going to start getting that, like Kyle said, the testosterone and the pheromones working. Uh, and then that's when you're going to see, cause I can smell boar taint um, when I'm processing pigs, like it stands out to me and I don't like the smell of it. I mean, it doesn't overpower me. Like I get sick off it or anything, but I, I can, I know I'm like, yeah, he has boar taint better off there sausage or seasonings or something up. And when we say genetics, <clears throat> I mean it on the person side and the pig side itself. Oh, yeah. Correct. Because yeah, you can have, some people can't Some people it. can't yep. smell it. Some yep. people can't taste it. Some people can't. <clears throat> some pigs will have it. And if they breed, like if a boar has boar taint, then he breeds with a sow and they have a boar, that boar will have boar taint. Yeah. Okay. Like it's <clears throat> progressive with that. And um like back with the mangalitsas and stuff like that too me and joe have talked about this just because the pig smells like a just because a boar smells doesn't mean it's going to have boar taint like we've got the mangas that there is something about mangas that they are pungent you know you have mangas on the farm when you walk out and it's like oh boy like there's something going on here but yeah again i don't worry about it too much unless it is like a 500 pound mm-hmm. boar that's been breeding yeah. for four years. And it's like, so you want a bunch of sausage, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's, sorry, go ahead. If it's something that, you know, putting it out to the audience, if it's something that you're really, really worried about, 
castrate mm-hmm. when they're young yeah. or make sure you find genetics. And it's not breed to breed basis. It's no. that genetic line. Find genetics. I know, you know, I've, there's a lot of people on YouTube and stuff that talk about this um, where they bred it out of their herd. So they don't even castrate. They just process before a certain age before they start and, and they a lot some of them you know will separate the boars from the gilts just in case i'd rather just castrate it's not it's that bad i mean it can it's be not easier bad, that day but, sucks but yeah but you don't have to worry about it you put them all together you're not worried about separating you're not have to worry about accidental breedings um but yeah that would be my my advice either find the genetics that you know it's not going to be a problem or just castrate at a couple weeks old if you can get a hand on them or eight weeks like I have done in the past when you can get them separated from their mother. Right. Yeah. Well, six of our seven uh, piglets, they were gilts. So you, you know where he's going to end up. <laughs> the yeah. lone wolf there. Well, yeah, at that point, I would heavily suggest just castrating it just because that's going to be a pain in the ass having a lone wolf pig. Cause yeah. that's one more paddock you got to have. And he's not, you're not going to have a fun time with him. He's well, you said you didn't castrate the last ones, right? Tyler, you didn't Did have no. any no. Yeah. yeah. But now again, they were, I was only about eight months. So yeah. I, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Like you guys are saying probably a little bit longer, but I also don't ever smell our, our big boar. I don't ever smell anything with him. Like, you know, obviously, I, I've been around pigs before and, and kind of know, you know, that smell, but I don't smell a whole lot with him. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I just want to address Rachel down here. I was just going to do that. Yeah. Rich Brown says, you guys <laughs> wasted no time proposing my idea of having potbelly pigs, all because you think everyone likes chops. I don't no. like chops. Me I'm not a big chop guy. The reason I'm a bacon guy. I'm a bacon guy. And that's where we're going with it, Rachel. Right. The reason we hot <laughs> belly pigs are fatty, flabby. I've heard the meat taste yeah, like you're crap. Gonna get, you're not gonna get anything off of them. You're not. Yeah. Like that's that's it's the long and the short of it. You're going to get a lot of fat and not great meat off of them. But I know if, uh, if I know a lot of that probably comes from Josh. Josh preached pot bellies, yeah. which I don't blame him. Like it worked for him. But he had a very, he was a butcher and had a very different way of looking at it. He, yeah, he raised pot bellies like broilers. Mm-hmm. Like he would just move them around. He would, he'd move them around in like a chicken tractor. Yeah. And Tyler, you weren't them. around when Josh no, like, we're, just came out. We were talking about that before, before the yeah. show. Yeah. But um, he would move them around in a chicken tractor yep. and process the males really yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. Like this big and have crock pot, like crock pot yep. pigs, which is, that's fine. That's great. But it's not an ideal way to raise pork. I mean, depending on the space you have, if you want yeah. to do it that way, great. But your turnover oh, yeah. is nuts. Yeah. So, like, if Rachel, if you want to raise do it. Nobody. Go yeah. ahead. Try it. Give us your feedback. You I'll must enjoy it. To you, but go ahead and do it. No, Rachel, yeah. I have. Uh... I think I know a guy that might have a litter of guinea hog Hampshire crosses this spring. We're not that <laughs> oh, you guys right. close. <laughs> yeah. But no, if you want to try it and to see if it works for you, by all means, go for it. Like I, I never tell anybody not to try it. 
we're just telling you from our experiences what we don't like. Um, right. And if you you're just looking for some ground sausage and a little bit of bacon to play around I with and maybe a, a ham, yeah, and you're <laughs> going to get a lot of lard. And that's the thing too is once you have so much lard, you're it's pretty much a throwaway product if you don't find a way to utilize it somehow because you only can store i mean you can render lard down and store it in a can and you know can it or whatever you know hot can it and you could have a whole pantry full of lard but you only can use so much of that lard you can give it away to family and friends whatever eventually you're going to run out of space to store that lard and it's going to become a throwaway product unless you use things is to gift lard to people it's so funny especially the people that don't understand what lard is (laughs) It's so funny because it's it is a nice thing. It's like yeah, <laughs> you can cook with this and add amazing flavor, and it's healthy. Like it's like it's not as scary as every cardiologist has said it is for the past fifty years. Like it's actually good for you. Fat. It's bad for you. Exactly, but it's the look on someone. Uh, it's so it warms my heart when I hand someone a jar of bear fat. Oh, <laughs> oh, the look on their face when they're like, "What is this?" Like, oh, it's rendered down bear fat. And they're like, <laughs> okay, what do I do with it? I'm like, well, you can cook it, cook with it, you can waterproof your boots with it, you can lubricate your firearms with it. And they're just like, those none of those three things go together. Like, and it's it's it warms my heart. It's that's, so, that's just the beauty those of little it. moments that just freak people out. Just I love it. So, Rachel, we still love you. Get pot bellies. We don't care. <laughs> we will follow along with your journey yeah and then every once we'll ha- in a while we'll have you we'll have you on us. in approximately 12 to 14 months to tell us why you won't be raising pop belly pigs again <laughs> <laughs> if you can sit in your chair because you're so covered in grease that you slip out of it we would love to hear about why you're no longer going to be raising pop belly pigs yep uh well we're up over an hour boys so Tyler, where can everyone find you? Yes, mainly on YouTube at Evergreen Farm 19. Put out videos of, you know, all sorts of stuff. Pigs like we're talking today, sheep, chickens, just general homesteading and farming. Um, also on Instagram and TikTok. Not extremely active, um, but I'm definitely doing my best to stay on there as well. Same handle, Evergreen Farm 19. Joe, what do we got? Same as always. Uh, Blake Slakers on YouTube. Um, Facebook and every week here with Kyle on Meet the Critters. Fantastic. And you can find me everywhere at, um, at Backwoods Butcher 603. So that is YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I have been slacking aggressively on all of my content. That is why YouTube got two videos this week. I've been trying to push out some videos on TikTok, but they just kind of went through and uh, they tightened up on just about everything. They took a bunch of music off. I've tried to post a couple of videos the past couple days or past couple weeks and they've been flagged immediately. And I'm like, I know Tiffany's trying to get off of TikTok altogether. Um, yeah, th- thanks for the heads up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But no, it, it, it stinks because I enjoy TikTok. I'm still going to be posting and doing stuff. I just need to get out of where we are i know i've talked about it in a couple shows just shops mm-hmm. been slow getting off cigarettes it's been an interesting 
interesting couple weeks and trying to figure out all the content stuff on top of it has been fun. So I appreciate all the people that have been sticking around and still commenting, still liking. And I think I've, I've gained about 10 subscribers this week. So I appreciate that from everybody. Thanks. So other than that, this has been the start of this collaboration. I love these. We need, we definitely just need to continue doing these. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. Once a quarter or something. Yep. Just and if you're from out. Opus Clip and you're he hearing this, I'm still fucking pissed at you guys. I'm still <laughs> fighting with them. Yeah, I I haven't put anything. I well, they, it started working for me, but I really didn't get any luck with the help. So I, I don't know. I I've literally been back and forth with them multiple times every week since it started, like three weeks ago. At this point, it's like you guys owe me some fucking money because right. me and Kyle have right. not been able to utilize yep. what we paid for. Sure, and. It's in at when it we were getting we only had what two three weeks maybe of use out of it. Uh, maybe two weeks. Yeah, maybe two weeks, and and it was going good. We enjoyed it, but I get the same questions over and over, and I have to keep giving the same responses to multiple different yes. people. It's like yeah, just to fix the damn thing. Yep. Yeah, that's where we just become old men, and it's like, can I talk to someone on the phone, please? <laughs> like. I would like to talk to a person. That would be fantastic. That's a problem is we put all of our faith in this fucking AI crap and all we're getting shafted, shafted like, by listen, the computer I know you're system. all autistic. You don't have to make eye contact. We're on a phone. Talk me through what's going on here. I know pigs, not computers. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll get well, through it eventually, but well, yeah, yeah, we'll just, figure it out. I mean, we'll try. It's we'll frustrating you. Use it free forever, no problems. As soon as no you go and pay for all. it, yeah. Like, we'll upload this one in there and we'll see what we can get out and we'll try and figure yeah. it out. Send but, me a link to that uh, editing software you told me to put on the laptop. I'm going to try it on here. Okay. Maybe yeah. tomorrow. Sounds good. Well, everybody, we appreciate everybody hanging out. We had a good turnout tonight. I think we had 13 in here at one point. Yeah. Um, bunch of comments. We appreciate everybody in the comments. Um, yep. Yeah, we love all you guys. Everyone watching now, everyone listening after. And this has been Meet the Critters. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.